Welcome in to the Barrow and Brody Sports Hour. You're listening to KSLC and KSLC HD1 McMinnville, student-powered radio from Linfield College. This is a sports show. We are talking about sports hosted by Linfield seniors Grant Barrow and David Brody. Tell them what we got tonight, David. All right, Grant, we got a great show tonight. Uh, we got two big guests on. We got Aaron Fentress of the NBC Sports Northwest, Talking Ducks host. He's joining us tonight. We also got Vernon Coach Adams, indeed. former... Oregon star quarterback, current CFL quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's joined us as well. had a good well. season. Great season. But first, we're going to start off with Chris Ball and the Ducks. Then we're going to uh, call up Aaron Fentress, get his take on the Ducks. Then we're going to do our random D3 team of the week. It's a good one this week. Always you won't want to miss it. Always Don't want to miss it. Fan favorite. Then we'll be uh, talking with Vernon and then going into our bold predictions, which we did pretty good last week, didn't we? I mean, uh, Victor Oladipo did not score 45 points tonight, but he did score 47 against the Nuggets on Sunday. Basically, right. Basically so I'll right. I'll take a like a half point on the, for that yeah. one. We'll talk about that when we get there. We'll talk about that when we get there. But yeah, so big news in Eugene, Cristobal, Cristobal new head in. coach. Kind of, they kind of they moved pretty fast in bringing Cristobal in. They did. I I think they really wanted to to get this new coach in. I think they were worried about uh, the bowl game coming up, obviously, but especially the signing period on the 20th. Yeah. And I think that was one of Cristobal's big selling points was that he could could keep some of this class together, this top-ranked class. Yeah. I mean, I think he had a lot of player support. I mean, the players, like, signed a petition to bring him in. And I think I personally think the recruiting class they have this year is a big reason why they kept him on. Because uh, he, like you said last week, he recruited uh, a lot of these kids, and they feel comfortable with him. And so maybe by keeping on as head coach, it convinces a couple of them to stay on. And it also doesn't hurt when you got the Rock tweeting about you. That's oh, pretty cool. I mean, if the Rock was tweeting about me, I th- I would hope I'd be the be hired as Oregon's head coach. But uh, yeah, definitely seventy plus players signed that petition. I know Tyro Crosby was kind of leading Troy the way Dye on that. Troy Die, couple big um, names. Also, some guys kind of kind of throwing some shade at Taggart too for leaving. A yeah. couple who, a couple guys. Uh, Troy was... Dye tweeted. Uh, a couple other guys kind of came out talking about just kind of the the disappointment of uh, losing Willie. But definitely, I saw the the video of Cristobal walking into the room to the players Very and they're all going nuts, a standing ovation. I mean, I think they really love this guy. I, yeah, I, th- I think it's a I great. Get, I think it's a great hire. I think he's him. a great motivator. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't. I don't think you can learn too much from the bowl game about what's going to happen under his regime because it's just one game. It's bowl game. Maybe not the highest highest of motivation levels. So I'm really excited to see what he does in recruiting and then into the spring and summer and see what happens next year. I think he's going to be really cool. Yeah, I mean, he's former Nick Saban assistant. He's got head coaching experience. He took over that uh, that tough that. He took over FIU, which was a tough situation. Then not, obviously he went to Bama, good. and um, I think this guy's got some some good head coaching experience. Obviously with that tough he situation, he played at the University of Miami. He played at the University of Miami. This guy, I think, has a lot a lot to give the Ducks, and I think he's here to stay. I think he's excited. I think he loves Eugene, and um, I think a great hire for Oregon. I, I'm glad they didn't go outside and and bring in. Yeah, uh, Kevin Sumlin or somebody like that. I think that. someone they talked to, right? Was he mm-hmm. the only one? I know, they Fen- talk, Aaron they, Fentress may have more information. Yeah, on he that. he he may give us uh, some better insight on that. But from what I've heard, they definitely did talk to Sumlin. Uh, I think they did reach out to Wilcox, but I think he said uh, he was happy where he's at at Cal because he just finished his first year there. Yeah, and 
So yeah, I, I mean, I, I think great hire by the Ducks. Um, it'll be really interesting to see this bowl game. Um, obviously, I mean, it's Chris, Boise State's a Boise good State, team. that's a good team. And I, I don't think much, much is going to change either with Tagger not there. I mean, Do you think Tyrell Crosby's going to play? Uh, I heard he was thinking about it. I hope so, but nowadays guys are saying no to that. They don't want to get hurt. Yeah, the draft. unless they're in the playoff. Yeah. Then if they're a, yeah. one of even because he's maybe borderline first round, second he's, round he's one guy. Of the top left tackles in the country it's for sure. Not worth it for them. They look <laughs> at uh, Jalen Smith, mm-hmm. guy who played in a bowl game. Yeah. Got a terrible, pretty injury. big bowl game, festival, but still, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like for like anything yeah. like the yeah. playoff was. Um, this was a couple years ago. He's yeah. at Notre Dame, and he lost millions of dollars because mm-hmm. he slid to the second round. Yeah, right. And that was actually earlier. The Cowboys ended up taking him earlier. Surprise! Than, that was a surprise. Yeah, they pick. traded up to take him. Yeah. I mean, he's playing now, which is a great story. Yeah, but he lost millions of dollars by. Mm-hmm. Having suffering a horrific leg injury yeah. in the Fiesta Bowl when really nothing was on the line except school pride, mm-hmm. and he was a surefire first rounder, maybe yeah. even top ten. Yeah, I think, and he lost tons of money. And then you like you saw uh, Christian McCaffrey did mm-hmm. it last year, Leonard Fournette did it last year. Um, there's been guys I can't think of any off the top of my head who have come out and said they're not playing in bowl games this year. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's going to start becoming a trend unless yeah. players end up receiving some sort of compensation. Oh, for sure for their pay and I, I th- for their play. I think yeah. it's I think it's a smart decision by the players. I mean, obviously, we'd love to see these stars in the bowl games. Yeah, and and, and obviously the the people running these bowl games, ESPN places like that who are who are showing the games, they're gonna they're gonna love they're gonna love that uh, or they wish that these guys would play, but. Um, I totally understand where these guys are coming from because, I mean, they got a, they got their careers uh, to protect and playing for a game that that might not really matter in the end. Um, you know, it's it, it's a smart decision, but I really hope Tyrell Crosby um, plays. We'll get Royce though, right? Royce is going to play. He's a kind of a mid mid round draft pick so from whatever, and mid play. to late because the running back class this year is stacked. But with Crosby, he's and and with Royce too team leaders too so i really hope they play and i bet justin herbert really hopes they play too yeah (laughs) Yeah. the last thing we need is herbert to suffer a serious injury this game Mm -hmm. that will affect him next year especially how he's developed and looked this year Uh, and how they've looked i mean he's on he's been he's on the short list for a lot of heisman yeah that's that's crazy for next year yeah that he's on Mm -hmm. list for heisman yeah and he didn't even play all this year but that just speaks to how good he has been when he's in there it's a cool story. I mean, local kid coming in to uh, coming in from Sheldon um, to Oregon. But uh, yeah, so I think it's time we're going to bring on um, Aaron Fentress, bring on our guest, NBC Sports Northwest yep. reporter, Talking Ducks. He is currently in Las Vegas for the Las Vegas Bowl, covering that, and he is nice enough to join us. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. Um, how you doing? Man, I have a great hand. I'm at the craps table. You guys are holding me up. Hurry up. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we hope you're doing well. I hope you're winning some money out there. Uh, uh, this place is a trap, man. They don't have all <laughs> I, these big fancy casinos for nothing. Yeah, you got to be careful out there. Well, we appreciate you coming <laughs> Thank on. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, this is awesome. Um, so we just wanted to talk to you about uh, the Ducks. And obviously they got the bowl game out there in Vegas with Boise State. And with Cristobal in his first game as the head coach, uh, we were uh, first wanted to ask you about who we were wondering who was your favorite for the uh, Oregon job. 
Uh, it's sort of, uh, you know, the typical, you know, candidate list and just you know, off the top of my head who I thought would be a, the best choice. And my number one choice was Justin Wilcox, former Oregon player, who was the head coach at Cal. And I think he's an up-and-coming young star coach who's going to do great things. He did a great job turning around that defense uh, very similarly to what uh, Levitt did, Jim Levitt did for Oregon's Mm -hmm. defense. The numbers are almost identical in terms of improving by about 13 or 14 points allowed per game. But he didn't have the offensive firepower at Cal to uh, support that, so obviously they didn't win enough games, Uh, whereas Oregon with Herbert was a pretty potent all-around team. So that was my first choice. Uh, my num- number two choice was, was Crystal Ball. I thought there's value. I still think there's value in keeping uh, some continuity. He's a great recruiter. He can hopefully maintain uh, this uh, recruiting class, which was dropped from number one scout to number 10 mm-hmm. and from number five on arrivals, I think, to nine. Uh, so there's some work to do to try and get some of those decommits back. But um, all the players clearly love him and want him to be the guy. The only problem there is you're dealing with you know a person who's from out of the region, just like Willie Taggart. Mm-hmm. He's actually from Miami. His mom lives in Miami. He played and won two national titles at the University of Miami. He played there with The Rock. You know? So <laughs> he got Miami Hurricanes job ever comes open, there's a good chance Mario Cristobal <laughs> fails and heads to Miami. So that's why I had Wilcox ahead of him. And then number three was Kevin Sumlin, good yeah. offensive mind. But, it, you know, again, a guy who, who uh, he just got fired from A&M. And uh-huh. another guy that I think would be a short timer at Oregon. So those are my top three. Awesome. Yeah, we we heard a lot about Sumlin, and I know uh, Wilcox was thrown out there a lot, but he really exceeded expectations at Cal this year. Uh, you mentioned that the players all are big fans of Mario Cristobal. So what do you think uh, he brings to the program? The Rock was tweeting about him. Uh, what do you think uh, he brings to this program that maybe Taggart didn't? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's It's funny. When this all went down, some of the big giant Taggart fans were starting to, you know, disrespect Taggart a little bit and pointing out his record and all that kind of stuff. And and then when Cristobal got hired, those same people were all giddy about Cristobal. Cristobal's record is worse than Taggart's, <laughs> but both were in rebuilding situations uh, in their previous jobs, and so their early records at, in those programs obviously were not very good. So I think their records are misleading. Um, I, I think you could say though that Cristobal, if he has anything over tagger it's that um you know he was a a very valuable assistant on a national championship team at at, um, alabama and obviously he competed for national titles as a player at miami and those are things that tagger hasn't done at the highest level he was an offensive coordinator at uh, western kentucky at the tender age of 25 when they won the national title in the one double a or fcs level mm-hmm. um but obviously that, that's not the same as doing what you would do at an alabama so i think crystal ball sort of brings that and his head coaching you know stands at florida mm-hmm. national i mean that was one of the worst jobs yeah, in the country job, yeah, yeah uh, he, you yeah. know he made them relevant for a minute they, they fell back and he got fired which was something that a lot of people thought why are you firing this guy <laughs> um so you know i, I think also, I think running game-wise, he's obviously a better uh, run game coordinator than, than maybe Taggart is. But beyond that, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how both programs, Florida State and Oregon, uh, progress over these next few years. And we'll see in the end which coach is really the better coach. Yeah, I, I know you uh, just mentioned um, about Cristobal coaching at Bama and um, just how he's been known around the country as one of the top recruiters. Do you, do you see him keeping most of this recruiting class? I know that they've lost – I think all four or five of those four-star receivers um, and, yeah. and a couple other guys. Do you see him keeping most of these guys? 
Yeah, fascinating. The receivers bailed because the receivers coach is still there. The mm-hmm. offensive coordinator Marcus Arroyo is still there. Justin Herbert's still um, there. Justin Herbert's still there. So he's probably. Gonna, I think Herbert's been four years personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Heisman can next year. So I'm surprised all the receivers bailed. I'm like that's that's the one position you <laughs> bail. Um, so they must have just really been enamored with Taggart. Um, so you know, I my hunch is they'll either get a couple of those guys back or find a couple other. Uh, guys they can uh, offer scholarships to who maybe they didn't offer before because they're you know running out of them or what have you at certain positions mm-hmm. you can't sign you know you can't sign seven receivers but if you mm-hmm. got four or five you lose you know you lose all four or five and you can go out and find those other receivers you like that they hadn't offered mm-hmm. um so I, I think i think at the end of the day the class especially if they can if they can win saturday i think that really really help as well in terms of showing okay you know there is life after willie taggart um which there obviously is, but sometimes kids just need to see evidence of that. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, the class won't fall much further than number 10. I think they'll stay in the top 15 at the very least. And maybe mm-hmm. if they can snag two or three four-star kids um, that they lost or that are floating out there, then maybe they can get back uh, high into the top 10, maybe seven, eight, somewhere in there. Um, what do you see about Jim Levitt? Do you see him going to Florida State? And who do you think the Ducks are going to bring in then to be the D coordinator? Yeah, that's a fascinating situation. Jim Levitt is not happy by all accounts that, uh-huh. one, he was passed over for interim coach for this game, and then um, he was passed over for the head coaching job. He and the crystal ball came in as two guys with uh, past head coaching um, experience on their resumes. Jim Levitt is way better uh-huh. than um, than the crystal balls. I think Levitt won 90-something games at, at South Florida. He had them rolling, but, of course, he has that – you know, that black mark on his past where he was accused of, of, of striking a player, um, which, you know, has basically kept him from getting another head coaching job. So the question is, can he swallow his pride and stay? Now, he does have a $500,000 buyout, so he oh, can't wow. just bail. Like, he has to find a program that's going to pay that buyout for him. <laughs> and then, uh, or because he's not going to want to pay it. My hunch is, I think Oregon, I think after the dust settles, after this bowl game, I think Oregon sits down with him and says, look, you know, we want you to be here. Uh, you're the guy for this job. We have you under contract. You know, why don't you stay? If he doesn't stay, his, his pride gets the best of him. Uh, I don't, uh, also, on the side note, I don't think he's going to end up at Florida State. I'm told that uh-huh. Florida State is not necessarily that interested in him. That could change, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Uh, but one option could be Joe Salavea elevates from uh, defensive mm-hmm. line coach to defensive coordinator. That's a possibility. Or they try and go big again and hire someone else. Maybe Pepsi will play his buy- pay his buyout. <laughs> Man loves Pepsi. Right. Um, you, men- you mentioned um, that a, f- a bunch of players were like blindsided uh, when Taggart left. Uh, in the few days between when Taggart left and before they hired Cristobal, what was team morale like surrounding like the bowl game and just going to play this game when their leader just left who had pledged to be here uh, for longer than he was? Yeah, early, early in the week was really hard on those guys. Um, you know, there was so much excitement around the program this year because of him and his personality and you know, where he had things going. And the recruiting job he did as a head coach, and of course the rest of the staff is involved as well, it's never just the head coach, but the recruiting job they did as a group was phenomenal. I mean, they had the number one rated class in the nation on on uh, Scout, number five on Rivals, 24-7. And they did that. I mean, they had that in place, the majority of the commits, before the season began. So it's not like they were recruiting guys based on how good they looked early in the season before Herbert got hurt. They were recruiting guys coming off a four and eight season with another coaching staff. That's just phenomenal to put together that type of class. And a lot of Pac-12 schools were nervous about Willie Taggart because of his recruiting prowess. And let's face it, you have to have 
high-end classes to contend. It's just how, I mean, every national title team in the last, you know, 17 years had at least two top 10 recruiting classes, you know, within the four years before they won it. Most have had at least one top five. Um, of course, that counts Alabama, which every year darn near has a you know, number one or two class. Uh, but, you know, the fact that he just up and left for Florida State was very disappointing for a lot of guys. But, you know, and I talked to Herbert about this and, and uh, Hanson and um, Troy Dye uh, about this, about just that 48-hour, uh, you know, roller coaster from how upset they were that Taggart left. You know, he leaves yeah. on a Tuesday. He tells the team on Tuesday he's leaving. And the next day he's introduced at Florida State on a Wednesday. And then by Friday, though, you know, they had the guy that they wanted to replace him. And that was an emotional high for the team. The team got, you know, back up and excited and pumped. Yeah, and the bowl game's coming up. And so, you know, it's funny. Kids are resilient. And the the thing is, when people were freaking out on Twitter, I mean, what about the kids? What about the kids? I'm like, man, the kids are going to be fine. Like, don't get over it. (laughs) It's the downers. He's got to do what he's got to do. Tackers got to do what he's got to do. They'll find another coach. These kids will get over it. And they got over it pretty quickly. I think I think as a group, based on what I can tell, I haven't spoken to all 100 of them, but they seem like a group that's turned the page and moved forward with their new coach. All right, on that note, do you what do you have a prediction for this game going against conference champion in Boise State? Yeah, I like Oregon. I, you know, with Herbert, they average 52 points per game. Have an offense out there that um, Boise State's not used to seeing. Boise State's two games against, um, or they had two games against uh, FBS opponents. They might have a third, I'm not sure, but I remember mm-hmm. two. Virginia and Washington State both scored over 40, although the Washington State game was a triple overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon definitely has an offense as good or better than both those two teams with Herbert in place. The question mark, though, is what would happen with Royce Freeman and Tyrell Crosby tackle? They might not play. Uh, both are practicing, mm-hmm. but both have basically said that it's up in the air. Mario Cristobal said today it's kind of up in the air as to what those two are going to do. But Oregon's deep at running back. They got their deep at O-line. I think they can survive. And I think they score 40-plus. The question is, can they slow down Boise State? And Boise State doesn't have that great of an offense. They score 32 per game, which in today's world is kind of pedestrian, yeah. actually. <laughs> so, you know, I see the Ducks winning. Maybe I think it's Mountain West. With or without Freeman. Well, awesome. Well, we hope you have fun out there in Vegas. We'll let you get back to the table. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for being us some money out there we really appreciate you coming on the show um, we look forward to listening to you and reading uh, what you got out there in Vegas and I uh, hope you have a fun time go Ducks alright thanks awesome. guys I appreciate it thanks Aaron go Ducks good stuff great guy outstanding guy he was really at a crowd's table when he was I wonder if he was I hope he's winning some money hopefully I wish him the best of luck I've never hopefully. been never been to Vegas be but yeah, so yeah, great Aaron Fentress with some great um, great insight into what the players were thinking there. Um, so remind you listening to KSLC and KSLC HD One McMinnville student powered radio uh, from Linfield College, and that was Aaron Fentress mm-hmm. of NBC Sports Northwest joining us. Um, a lot of good stuff about what the team's going through right now uh, with Mario Cristobal. So now we are going to transition to one of our recurring segments. This is known as our random D three. Team of the week, I this, love it. Love it. This is a uh, Bates College. Um, the, is, that? is that the Bobcats? Where this, they? they are located in Maine, Where's way Maine? out there. Where's Maine? Is, is that the United States still? <laughs> even I don't know what. What's their record this year, David? They are. They played seven games. I think they're sitting at uh, what are they six and one? 
six and one. Let's let's fact check that. Six and one. We might have to fact check that. They are, ready, uh, but they are averaging a nice five and seven, two. 74.1 points per game. Better than the team we featured last week. Better Str- than Delaware Valley. Struggling from the three point line though. Grant only at twenty four point five percent. Hey, I'll tell you what. They got a uh, Tom Coyne averaging sixteen points per game. He is a sophomore, six foot sophomore. Uh, and he's really been leading the charge. And they got another sophomore oh, yeah. who's also... Don't forget about Jeff Spellman, Grant. Don't forget about him. 18.6 points per game. Big time Jeffy. Struggling from the three line, as with most of the team, but clearly bringing on the points for... One, it looks like one of the top teams in Division Three. Absolutely. They uh, they played the number four ranked team in the country, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, and how they do. That is to be determined. <laughs> it's to be determined. Well... Bates, we ho- we hope hope you have a great season. We hope um, you hear about this. But also going on right about now is Portland State's playing down there in Eugene. The Vikings off to a great season this year. They gave Duke a great game. Tease the interview. Up to you. All right. Sometime in January, if you keep listening to us, we are going to have a uh, Barrett Peary, uh, Portland PSU's head basketball coach. He will be joining us. Uh, he's had a remarkable turnaround this year at PSU. Uh, and yeah, like David said, they're playing the Ducks tonight. Um, they were predicted to finish eighth in the Big Sky, but now we're looking like a team that could definitely win the conference championship and make it to the big dance. Any team that can compete with Duke is going to be at the top yeah. of their conference. One of the most entertaining games yeah. at the whole PK80. And yeah. that's saying something. It was a great tournament. Deontay North, great score. They got a ton of junior college transfers, so they got, they got some a couple experience. Local guys in uh, Bryce Kanda. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Grant High School, Deontay Strickland, <laughs> Central Catholic High School. They got they got some great scores, some talent, and um, it's gonna be interesting to see how they do down there in Eugene. Oregon really struggling right now. A young team, they with, ba- they, with they no ba- experience. They really. barely beat Texas Southern. Barely, and Texas team, Southern is terrible. Well, I think they're zero and nine. I know Mike they, Davis yeah, has taken them to the NCAA tournament. But former Indiana coach, but still, Oregon. Should be beating Texas Southern by more than a few points. Yeah, so I think it's a really interesting game. I think Portland State definitely has what it takes. I mean, like you said, uh, it wasn't just Duke at the PK-80. They played a Butler team that's probably going to compete for an at-large bid in the Big mm-hmm. East. They lost to them by two points, mm-hmm. and that really that game could have gone either way. And then they beat Stanford fairly handily by 18 um, in their third game. So really, they've competed with three uh, big name schools, or at least Power Five schools, and competed well in all three. Yeah. So if Oregon can pull out a win, this is actually going to look like a good it's, win. Yeah, for it's, them. it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot some, better win than maybe the name. Yeah, would I've suggest. seen some college basketball kind of metric standing things. They got Portland State in the top sixty, top seventy teams in the country. Yeah, they've been playing extremely well. So uh, not, it's not just uh, us and our Oregon bias looking a. Uh, Looking good on them. The country's looking good. Uh, looking at Oregon. Yeah, also, uh, this, State this Saturday at Lewis and Clark, uh, Portland State will be taking on the uh, Linfield Wildcats. Let's go, Cats! Cats are hot. Cats are hot. But can they play against the Vikings? That'll be a that'll uh, be a, that'll be a real test. I'm rooting for them. I um, yeah, we'll definitely be cheering for the Cats. It'll be a tough one mm-hmm. for them, but maybe maybe they come out hot. Maybe they they sink a few threes. Maybe they do like what port to Portland State. What Portland State did against Duke. And just come out, play out of their minds for a little while. Well, yeah, well, Linfield's playing with a lot of experience, too. I mean, they are playing some young guys and some transfers, but they also got guys like Liam O'Reilly and Riley right. Brule playing at Riley Brule at point. Um, um, Austin Murray's back. Jordan Clark at that game winner game down in Eugene. Game three against Northwest Christian. That's a, that's a big win. Northwest Christian's been in the NAIA National Tournament before, so 
Um, mm-hmm. Big win for Linfield, and it's been it's been great to see this turnaround. Yeah. So tune, tune in for that. If you can't make it to Portland, tune in to watch your cats take on Portland State next week. All right, what do we got next, David? Well, we got Vernon Adams on in a second. And if uh, if you're listening, not 100% sure Vernon Adams is, you should know who he is. He's a star, he was a star quarterback at Oregon and before that at Eastern Washington at the FCS level. He was the uh, first quarterback to take the reins after Marcus Mariota uh, was drafted. He was the Pac-12 newcomer of the year. He had a great year. Um, really, it was defined as almost what could have been because mm-hmm. he was hurt for much of the season. But when he was in there, they looked like a top 10 team in the country. So uh, here we have him. He's coming on right now. Yeah, so yeah, we're now being joined by Vernon Adams, like we said. Uh, record-breaking quarterback at Eastern Washington, star quarterback for the Ducks. Threw for over 13,000 yards in college. Currently playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the CFL, the Canadian Had Football a great League. Year. Vernon, thank you for joining us. How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Thanks for having me. Doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. Big uh, fan. A lot Big of people, fan. a lot of people tuning in to hear you. Um, so, what we first question we have for you is: What was the transition like going from a a, a very good FCS school in Eastern Washington to uh, another very good FBS school in Oregon? Um, I think uh, first of all, it was like a tough decision. You know what I'm saying? Like I really loved Eastern; they treated me good over there. Uh, but the transition, like going over there, I think the biggest thing was. I think the talent-wise, everybody was the same. Like, we have some guys at the FCS level that can play, like, uh-huh. in the Pac-12 schools and stuff. Yeah, but guys are just much bigger here, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. all the guys at Eastern or FCS level, we're just a little bit under undersized or, or whatever, but we can play at that level. And I, I think that's what I proved when I made that transfer. Definitely, absolutely. So uh, that was the biggest tra- transition. The guys were big and and we're fast. Like, when I've seen DeForest Buckner in practice. <laughs> it's a big boy. Big man, man. 6'8", 300 pounds. He running a 4'8". He chasing <laughs> me down. You know what I mean? So, that was, yeah, that was, that was, that was crazy. Uh, what was it like for you to take over the reins from one of the greatest, maybe the greatest player in Oregon history and Marcus Mariota? Oh, man, that was, uh, you know, it was tough, you know, because everybody was expecting me, you know, to, be as great as Marcus, uh, you know, him being the greatest quarterback to play at Oregon. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have as much time there as he did, but, you know, I, I think I did my best and, uh, I tried my hardest to go out there and really just lead the team to wins and, uh, be as efficient as possible, really. But, um, following it, following in his footsteps, like I said, it was tough, uh, but he did a good job. He came back and, you know, I talked to him a few times and he, he's a good dude as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he was a Oregon legend for sure. What was your biggest takeaway from your year you spent in Eugene? Biggest takeaway. I think you just got to have fun like with, with everything like as much as everybody was against well not everybody but a lot of people was against me doing that transfer and everything. I think uh you just got to have fun with with with, with the sport that you're playing and everything you're doing, like, because my thing is, like, if you're not having fun doing it, then why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. If you're not confident in this transfer burning, why are you transferring? Like, mm-hmm. that that was my mindset. I think I just have to really have the most fun out of it and uh, do the best I can in school 
and for my family, for my son, and all mm-hmm. that. So um, I just lived my life to the fullest, and that was it, really. That's awesome. So and I know you talked about the transition from FCS to FBS. How about going from a, a school like Oregon, um, obviously big-time D1 football, to the CFL? How's that been? Uh, it's been different, you know, because everybody's dream, you know, is to go to the NFL and everything. And uh, I had a couple mini camps I went to, didn't make it, and then I went up to Montreal first. Last year I was in Montreal playing for them. Uh, backup quarterback, doing the quarterback run stuff quarterback sneaks, wildcat quarterback type mm-hmm. stuff. And then this year I was with them in the beginning of the year. Then I got traded to Saskatchewan in the middle of the season and uh, did pretty good over there too. Let the team in rushing touchdowns, getting there in the middle of the season. Awesome. And uh, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, I had my own role there and just did my part. And uh, I really liked it there too. And I think it's going to be a real uh, good competition at quarterback next year. So are you pretty content in Canada, or are you looking for that shot in the NFL? Or do you see a shot in the NFL right around the corner? Hello? Do you do you feel like there's a shot in the NFL around the corner, or are you pretty content in Canada? Oh, um, for me, I'm still, you know, I'll, I'll still try to, if, if the shot is there, you know, I, I think I'm going to be up here for at least, I'm going to be in Canada for at least two, three more years, at least. Uh, I just have to get more film and uh, start you know, play a full season as a starting quarterback. I only have three games under my belt up here in CFL as a starting quarterback. Uh, went 3-0, and but that, that's not enough for NFL teams. I think I need to do more and start at least a full season or two and take the team to the Great Cup, which is our Super Bowl, and uh, win those before coming back to down south. But if not, you know what I'm saying, quarterbacks make a pretty good living up here. If you're a starting quarterback and you're doing pretty good. So uh, if not – you know, I'm fine with it being up here too. All right, Brennan, I am a huge uh, Los Angeles Rams fan. Um, so how do you feel about how your former teammate Cooper Cup has been performing this year, and what do you think of his success he's had? Yeah, man, it's pretty cool. But he's not my only former teammate on that team. we got Samson and oh, yeah. Aaron Neary on that team, both from Eastern Washington. So shout out to all three of those guys for making it from Eastern Washington uh, to the NFL, to the Rams. But – it's pretty cool because, you know, Coop is a guy who I actually threw the ball to, broke records with me and him. We got records nobody else would touch. So that that's pretty cool that um, he's up there doing his thing. And I always knew he was going to do his thing, you know, in the NFL. I'm glad that everybody in the world is really seeing it right now. Like, it, it's pretty cool. Um, we got a couple questions back to college. What was it like pulling off those big upsets against Oregon State and uh... – and and also giving Washington a great game when you're with Eastern Washington. Oh man, those games are crazy, man. That was like putting Eastern on the map right there. Like especially when we beat Oregon State, they were number twenty five, oh. and we came over there and we beat those guys. High scoring game. Same with Washington, you know, it was high scoring game. I think it was like fifty eight to fifty two or something. They beat us, but it was it's it's awesome playing those big schools, man. When you had a small school and you can go over there and put your team on the map and then it helps out with recruiting with uh other guys in high school and stuff like that so it was fun man it was fun what would you say is your favorite moment um from your time in college i would oh man my favorite moment i know you you had a great game you had a great game against asu i remember with the U of O too that was that's top five that's top five like top five moments the the triple overtime Mm -hmm. asu I remember one time my freshman year, we had beat Montana at home. We were down 
two touchdowns with two minutes to go. We came back and we won. That was a that was one of the big ones too. That Washington game was good, but we lost. So yeah. you know, I threw seven touchdowns. I can't really put that in my you know my top game because we lost. The team first. I like it. <laughs> yeah, putting that team first. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, all that didn't mean anything. That's true. That's true. Well, awesome, Vernon. Um, we really appreciate you coming on the show really, for a little bit here. Thank you very much. Yeah, you got a lot of people tuning in. Super excited to hear you. We wish you uh, the best of luck in uh, Canada. Looking to looking forward to see you uh, maybe grabbing that starting job and winning a couple great cups. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate y'all having me, man, for real. Yeah. God bless and go Ducks. Yeah, God bless, go Ducks. go Ducks. Have a great day. All right. That was awesome. Great love- guy. Very, very humble. Very team first. I love that. Team my, first. I threw for seven touchdowns, but it didn't matter. One of my favorite guys lost. at Oregon. Favorite guys to watch. Dynamic player. I know, I know you hinted at it, but that 61-55, three overtime game at Oregon State, and that was a primetime game because I think it was a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people were tuned in, and that was one of the most exciting, I, maybe the most exciting Oregon game since Marcus Mariota's been gone. Oh, yeah, that was fun to watch. I, I just remember him scrambling around that game. and It seemed like every single game he played, he'd scramble around the pocket for a good 5, 10 seconds and then throw about a 60-yard bomb to Darren Carrington. Yeah, absolutely. To someone. Because they're, some- they're, yeah, you said it. They're, he was running for his life because, like, their, their offensive line, oh, they may not have, they, they, yeah, they were banged up. They weren't as strong young as they've been. Uh, so he was running for his life a lot. But, I mean, a couple times ASU broke through the line within, like, it seemed like exactly as the ball was snapped, and it looked like he was going to be dropped for a 10, 15-yard loss, and then it's like, bam, he's out of the pocket. He's finding Darren Carrington for a 60-yard touchdown. It's crazy. Yeah, it was a bummer that, that he st- had some injuries that year because— I What could have been? What could have been? I mean, he threw for about 2,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, something like that. Great dual Six threat. Six picks. I mean— he Put up insane great, numbers in one year. Yeah, great stats for not even playing a full season, and it's a bummer that he kind of had to go out with that Alamo Bowl where he got hurt at half and we were up 35 nothing, and ended up blowing that game without him. But it clearly showed just how important he was to the team. Yeah, I mean, th- that's a team that had Royce Freeman on it. It was Darren Carrington pre all the legal issues, mm-hmm. uh, off the field issues. He's out there. Uh, Dwayne Stanford. I think Braylon Addison was on that team. Or was that, the year, was, Bra- was that the year Braylon Addison was uh, hurt? He might have been hurt. he might have been um, hurt that year. They had a lot of injuries that year. I remember um, our senator, Senator Matt Hargitay, got hurt too in the Alamo Bowl. We had to go to Doug Brenner, and he, he was, was having a hard time snapping good. the ball to Jeff Lockie. Yeah, it's, that that was almost a mi- that game was basically a microcosm of the Duck season. Uh, they were up thirty-one to nothing. Uh, Vernon Adams played the first half, and they were up thirty-one to nothing, looking absolutely unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't play the whole second half. TCU comes back. They go to overtime. They end up winning 45-41. Or it's so, tough. Or, yeah, one, it was it one of the biggest comebacks in bowl history. I think it was the biggest. It might have been, might have been it the was, biggest. But that just completely humming along with Vernon Adams, and then once he's gone, just almost hopeless. Because that was that was uh, everyone's favorite uh, backup for a while. That was Jeff mm-hmm. Lockie. Uh, yeah, he got some time. Not Taylor, your favorite, if I do remember. Taylor Alley. Taylor Alley. Uh, those were the guys they yeah. had to replace him, and that it really didn't work out. <laughs> and that, that uh, so I think, well. was kind of the the beginning of the end for Mark Helfrich. Yeah, they, they blew that game. He didn't recruit quarterbacks. He didn't. They obviously didn't have great recruiting classes with them. They blew that. They blew that Alamo game. Alamo Bowl game. They go in, and the next year, obviously, they struggled and had uh, injuries and kind of 
uh, changing at quarterback to Justin Herbert halfway through the year. So I think I think that was kind of the beginning of the end for Mark Elfrich. Yeah, it didn't didn't really work out for him. But now he's now he's got a cool job doing uh, analysis for Pac-12 Network. And maybe he'll get brought back, Chip Kelly. Maybe. Yeah, maybe Chip Bring Kelly will hire him on at UCLA. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, we got an update down there in Eugene. Oregon's up forty-one thirty-five right now against Portland State. So pretty close game. Portland State hanging around uh, down in uh, Eugene, but the Ducks don't have that long a uh, home. Sh- I'm winning streak anymore with Boise no, State winning. I, like that. I said last week, I think that's a good thing for this team is not yeah. having that uh, streak uh, looming because that streak was built by the guys who came before the Jordan Bell, Elgin mm-hmm. Cook, Tyler Dorsey. It was built by those guys, and these guys outside of Peyton Pritchard for a year really didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, so I think it's a lot of pressure off. Um, but let's head up the I-5 for a sec. Uh, and what do you think of Oregon State just hired a new coach? What do you think of them bringing on Mike Riley as an assistant coach, former Beaver, mm-hmm. Beaver great as a head coach? That surprised me. I didn't. I did not see that coming. I, and if anybody saw that coming, I want to talk to them because they can probably read the future or something. Because yeah, Mike Riley coming back to Oregon State. I thought he was done. I thought he was going to retire after getting fired from Nebraska. Yeah, he did not. Have and a I, good I, I know he was lobbying to keep that Nebraska job. He thought he was the guy, but. Um, it did not work out for him. It will it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I mean, it's one of his. Is it one of his former players, or, is, or did uh, he play for Erickson? I think he played for Riley. He, you don't think he did? I think he did. You think he did? He he was a quarterback for Riley. I think he was because there's that story that Riley said he is kind of false about how Mike Riley walked into the locker room and, and saw Joseph Smith. Yeah, and saw him and thought, uh, "Is this one of the team managers?" Mike Riley said that story's false because just this tiny guy is about five ten, I think, yeah. small quarterback. But yeah, I th- I, it was a good hire for Oregon State. I like I like it because like with some sometimes you hire coordinators. Mm-hmm. Like this is what you get if you hire maybe a Lane Kiffin as a coordinator or a Steve Sarkeesian, yeah. um, where you get bring in a coordinator. Maybe they're a really good coach, but they also have an ego to yeah. go with that. Um, and I don't think you get that with Mike Riley. I think oh, no. he comes in. He's going to do his job. Um, he's not going to be in the news like Kiffin mm-hmm. when he was at Alabama was in the news all the time. Yeah. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with Riley, you get really solid. Just he's going to stay in the background. He's going to do his job, and he's going to make sure he has his unit in tip top shape. Yeah, so I, I think that was a great hire by the Beavers, though. Both head coach and assistant coach, and hopefully they get things turned around. It's not fun to see a civil war like we the just civil saw. war is better when uh, both teams are competing for something. Yeah, it's better for the state too, um, and just obviously better for the Pac-12. And um, so it'll be exciting to see if he can turn things around. It'll be interesting to see if he uh, keeps um, the interim coach Hall. We'll see if he keeps him around as a D yeah, coordinator. I heard they've talked a little bit, but I don't think he really will. But it's, hopefully this guy can come in, recruit better than they have in the past, and yeah. see if they can turn this program around. I was, I was a little surprised they didn't, because I know Coach Hall was really liked by the players. I know he didn't yeah. win a game, but he yeah. really motivated them. They had they had, like they had a, some pretty close games, or they were they competed really hard in some games. It seems like he really uh, was able to motivate <laughs> them pretty well, despite the fact that they were having mm-hmm. not a great season is yeah. still able to get the best out of them for a lot of games yeah, it seems like that interim coach always has the player support it seems like uh like what happened at Oregon with the petition being signed it seems like that happens every year so I was a little surprised to actually see the interim coach be promoted because I feel like a lot of the time the players are like please bring him or promote him to head coach and I feel like a lot of the time it doesn't work out so it was I was cool to see Crystal Ball get promoted but yeah the, the Beaver yeah. players really want to coach all but you can't you're not going to get the job after losing 
by yeah. 50 or whatever yeah. it was to the Ducks. Yeah. But we re- sincerely do. We wish the we want we want the Beavers back. We want them back in the uh, in the top 25 competing yep. for Pac-12 titles because, like we said, the Civil War is always better, much more intrigue when both teams are playing for something. Just a reminder, you're listening to KSLC and KSLC HD1 McMinnville, student-powered radio from Linfield College. This is the Barrow and Brody Sports Hour. And there was a uh, big uh, revenge game in the NBA tonight that we want to touch on real quickly. It was Paul George going back to Indiana. Uh, the Thunder were able to get the win, 195. Paul George, uh, not really a great game at all. Uh, I think he had 12 points. 12 points. 12 points, did not shoot well from the field. Um, but the Thunder still got the win. Mm-hmm. Um, they're struggling though. They are. Like, their road record is atrocious. They're like four and thirteen. Four and ten away. Four and ten away. Um, I mean, you got your usual triple double from Westbrook. But he shot it very poorly. Shot it very poorly. We got his ten points, seventeen Steven rebounds, Adams, twelve assists. Dark horse. He is the rock of that team. Twenty three points. He led the team in scoring today. He we outscored Carmelo, efficiency. Paul, and Russell Westbrook. You don't see that happen. <laughs> Very no, often. but Stephen Adams has been straight balling this year. I'm a big fan of him. He's he's really improving, and I mean they got a great starting lineup, and it's it's a shame to see them struggle because I mean seeing a playoff, uh, seeing the NBA playoffs with the Rockets, the Warriors, the Thunder, the Spurs all in the West. That's that's gonna be fun to watch. I, I hope the Thunder can really turn it around. But also props to the Pacers for turning things around too. Victor even Oladipo, after, even after giving away their best player, Paul George, yeah, Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is putting up better numbers this year than not only Paul George is putting up this year, but also that he put up last year with the Pacers. Struggled a little bit tonight, though, 9 um, of 26 for 19. Still had still had a pretty good all-around game mm-hmm. uh, with five boards and six assists, two blocks, or two steals, my bad. Um, but he has been putting up insane numbers. Mm-hmm. Like You really feel like you can hand him the most improved player award right now, and I don't think anyone could argue with it because no one saw this coming. Oh, definitely. Pacers, people were ripping on the Pacers for making this trade, saying, said, how do you get Paul George away for two, maybe, one maybe starter and another role player in Sabonis? And Sabonis is putting 12 and 7. Yeah, he's having, like, he's having he's a great having year, a very too. very solid so year. Pacers were getting ripped on, but they actually, right now, have got the better end of the deal as the Thunder are struggling with Paul George. They are, but I, I think Victor uh, Oladipo should be an all-star this year in the East because no one expected this Pacers team to be anywhere near Definitely. the playoffs, and they're in a playoff position right now. And in a weakened uh, Eastern Conference, I think that he should definitely be an all-star. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the Blazers uh, pulled out a win today against the Heat. Um, they were down 195. Yeah, nice comeback in the fourth. Zach Collins got the start tonight. Yeah, that's big rookie playing 21 minutes for him, and they've been struggling too. Yeah, so it's nice lost, to see him uh, get a win. They lost four. They lost all four games on mm-hmm. their recent uh, homestand, and um, they didn't. The competition wasn't wasn't the best, but it also wasn't terrible. They played the Pelicans. They did play the Rockets, Rockets, yeah. Bucks, and one other team that they lost to. But they really did not look good. Like the Pelicans. They couldn't stop. They couldn't do anything with the Marcus Cousins. The Rockets, they were up for most of the game. Mm. But they had no answer for James. That's that's not really fair. No one has an answer for James Harden. I mean, James how do you Harden. stop that step back three? No one has an answer for James Harden. He put up 48 on the Blazers. But they were in that game for most of the time. The Greek Creek dominated. So they've, they've been the, uh, the victim of some big-time performances by some guys on that homestand. Um, but, yeah, they, they snap a five-game losing streak tonight. Um, and I was listening to Chauncey Billups earlier on ESPN's NBA coverage, and he thinks the Blazers are one of 
the most frustrating teams to watch. They are. Because some nights they look like world beaters. Mm-hmm. Like with that backcourt, they'll just be hitting from everywhere. Everyone will be on, and they'll look like they could take on the Warriors and take them seven games. And then they have some nights, like they looked on the homestand, where they look like, like it's this is like is this a playoff team? Is this a lottery team? Like no one has any idea. So I think it's just the inconsistency that frustrates a lot of people with the Blazers so far this year. Um, yeah, uh, Terry Stotts I've, is rumored to be on the block, maybe. So I don't think there's any way. I don't unless, think he's a unless great they go coach. absolutely in the tank. I don't think there's any way they fire Terry Stotts because I mean. Not to be realistic about what your chances are in this NBA, uh, you can if you make like top six in the West, which I think was like their goal, top mm-hmm. around like the top four, like that's a pretty successful season for mm-hmm. them because I mean you've got the Warriors, Rockets, Spurs. If the Thunder can ever yeah. figure it out. Jazz are still pretty Jazz good. Jazz are you got You got a, right. a lot of teams with uh, some like big-name players, some talent, like the Pelicans and stuff, who are hard to beat. I mean, I don't see the Pelicans going far in the playoffs, but playing them on, it, uh, on any given night is going to be tough, going against yeah, Anthony but, Davis or DeMarcus Cousins. But I think, yeah, that's why you got to be realistic because you have all these teams in the West. So unless you absolutely bottom out and you become like a team with like a top 10 pick in the NBA draft where you're just absolutely not meeting expectations. Mm-hmm. If you're in the playoffs, I don't think you can get rid of Terry Stotts because, I mean, do you really think you're going to go that far in the playoffs? I mean, maybe if you get a fortunate draw and you get a couple injuries like you did uh, last year or two years ago with the Clippers, then maybe you can win a uh, playoff series. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see them making the playoffs. The, the bottom of the West is pretty bad. With the Grizzlies, Mavs, Suns, Kings, even the Lakers, Clippers. The Lakers aren't good. Blake Griffin's hurt for the Clippers. Obviously, the Jazz uh, are still pretty good, but they're clearly not winning on the road. They're two and ten on the road right now. Hey, shout out to Donovan Mitchell. Great rookie. He is uh, probably rookie of the year right now. Rookie of the year. Ben oh, Simmons. Ben Simmons. I ben guess. Simmons. Okay, if you're looking, or if you're, let's say best rookie that was drafted this year. Yeah. Because Ben Simmons he, had his he had red shirt year. Off, yeah. Um, but I think. Donovan Mitchell has definitely been the most impressive player from this year's draft. He had a 40-point game last week, and he has been better than everyone's expectations. Some big dunks. Big dunks. Very athletic, and he's been shooting Mm -hmm. it pretty well. Very athletic finisher. Uh, How how dumb do the Denver Nuggets feel? They traded him for uh, Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon. (laughs) I mean, that's got to hurt. Nuggets. Tyler Lydon isn't doing anything. No, Nuggets. He's never going to do anything. (laughs) Yeah, he was good at Syracuse. Okay. The, the Nuggets, though, sitting in the fifth spot, 15 and 13. I mean. That everyone the, forgets the Nuggets exist. On, Ever think, since Melo left, it's like, oh, the Nuggets are still in the NBA? Honestly, I feel like everybody's forgotten everybody in the Western Conference except for the Rockets, Warriors, and Spurs, and, and I guess the Thunder, obviously, because they're big players. You never, I never hear anything about the Timberwolves. They played the Sixers last night. Yeah, they, they lost in overtime. They lost in overtime. Embiid's, the process. Em, Embiid, Embiid is insane. Ben Simmons is insane, too. I'm a big Robert Covington fan, too. Robert Covington was out for that game. Yeah. He got hurt. I'm a big Covington uh, fan. But, yeah, though. we snapped a uh, four-game four game losing streak, but mm-hmm. still exceeding. I When Joel Embiid broke out, the he pump-faked uh, Jamal Crawford from the three-point line, took a dribble, uh, was matched up with Carl Anthony Towns, and just Euro-stepped I him out that. of his shoes. A seven-footer and you're just, you're It's a seven-foot basketball man 
euro stepping someone and just so fluid and so graceful oh. and it's just ridiculous. I don't get how that happens. I'm just happen. amazing well, to well, watch. Well, speaking of young players, Lonzo had a pretty nice game. That at, was that was maybe York. his best game of the year. And I mean, because he was pretty efficient in that game. I think he was six of thirteen. Yeah, he had on a nice field. dunk and a couple threes. Alley-oop. Yeah, he definitely performed in the uh, world's world's biggest. Arena, a shout out to the Knicks season. though. They're they're having an actually Knicks, pretty good Knicks season. Knicks are tough to play at home. They Poor don't z- they don't travel. Real no, well, but they are a very tough team to play at home, and they've been really good. I mean, they're out right home. on the outside of the the East. I think they're tied right now with the Sixers Porzingis and Pistons. Is so in the good. East. Porzingis is great. I mean, and then their role players are stepping up and doing just I think what they need to do. And the East obviously isn't that tough this year, so it'll be, it'll be cool to see the Knicks get into the playoffs. One thing that's interesting about the East is after the Celtics and Cavs, and I guess uh, the Raptors are, I think defined as the third best team mm-hmm. in that conference is you have a bunch of just good not great bunch of flawed teams that are going to yeah. be competing for the playoffs like the bucks uh the sixers the knicks like you mentioned the pacers yeah. are in there the heat those are all teams that are going to be competing for playoff spots and realistically none of those teams are going to mean anything no. in the playoffs celtics and Cavs, but It'll be fun to watch them uh, duke it out for those playoff spots because you've got a lot of good young players and a lot of exciting oh, yeah. talent in that group um, that could be the future of the NBA. Yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of great young players on each of these teams. It's kind of sad to see the Pistons fall off. They were kind of one of the, the good stories of the season. How about Andre Drummond's free throw percentage? It's Shooting him underhand, isn't he? I know, he's better. He's, he's around a 70% shooter, and he was... The worst free throw. He was worse than DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I don't get why you guys don't do that. If they're not going to hit a free throw, why don't you change it's it up? It's an ego thing. Dude. It's an ego thing. But That's he tough. humbled himself, and props to him because he has been very good this year. Very good. Very, very good. good. Well, how about we touch on our bold predictions from last week? Bold predictions. Yeah, I predicted Victor Oladipo was going to drop 45 points in his revenge game against the Thunder. He did not do that. He dropped He dropped 19. He had yep. a solid all-around game. He didn't shoot it well. Mm-hmm. Um but saw it all around game. And I think he's still performed well enough this year. Like he had 47 against the Nuggets on Sunday. So you're close. So Just not, not, game. not the right game, but got it right. he's, he's still been balling out. He's still, people are saying they won that trade I, with I, Paul George. Right now, yes. Because obviously the Thunder are struggling. I mean, obviously Paul George is the better player. But well, he hasn't been not this year. He hasn't been. But I, I overall mean, still, uh, it's quite the adjustment. I think, I think uh, though playing with Carmelo and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean Oladipo has gone to Indiana and they've just given him the ball to yeah. score. So, so what think, about you? Well, I predicted Mario Cristobal would get hired for the Ducks, and he did. I said they would offer they would offer Wilcox first and get turned down. They, uh, from what I've read and heard, and from what Aaron Fencher said, no, they didn't offer Wilcox, but they did reach out to him, and I think he said. No, I'm good down there yeah. in Berkeley. All right. But Cristobal yep. did get hired, so you can chalk that up as a point for me. Grant, you, we'll give you a point. How about it. a half point? I'll take a half, half point. point. All, All right. right. What What's your uh, bold prediction for this week? And this, this week, because we're going to be off until January, so we are encompassing the next three three weeks in sports. Well, Aaron Rodgers back. For the Packers, big news. They're sitting at seven and six. I mean, obviously the Vikings are off to an amazing start this year, and they're looking like the team to beat in that division. But I'm predicting that Aaron Rodgers comes back from breaking that collarbone. Yes, he's back. Aaron the Rogers. discount double check, and he's gonna pull off 
an insane streak here. They're going to win out and make the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, I hope so. the GOAT, best, one of the best quarterbacks I love Aaron in NFL history. He is awesome. I'm not predicting a Super Bowl or anything. He is awesome. That, that might be my bold prediction next month. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. What about you, Grant? Right. Well, my bold prediction could still be in uh, – could – may not develop by the time we have our next show. Uh-huh. But currently there are six teams that are left undefeated in men's college mm-hmm. basketball. Um you have Georgetown, who's not good. They've just played hey, Patrick gar- Ewing, though. They, they've just played garbage teams. They dropped out of the PK eighty, yeah. so they're still undefeated. They're going to lose. Yeah. Um, then you also have Florida State, TCU, Villanova, Arizona State. Shout out to the Sun Devils. The Sun Devils are ridiculous. That win against Kansas um, was insane. But th- so you have those four teams. But my prediction is none of those four teams are going to be the last undefeated team in the country. Ooh, Do you like want to know who is going to be the last undefeated team in the country? Tell me, Grant. Who? The Miami Hurricanes. The U. And they have been, I, I would say they've been flying under the radar as much as the number six team in the country can be flying under the radar so far this year. Um, but like, like they're perfect. And their first tough game isn't until they play Duke mm-hmm. mid-January. But they have the backcourt with Bruce Brown, Lonnie Walker, mm-hmm. and Jaquan Newton to make life extremely tough mm-hmm. for the Blue Devils because the Blue Devils are not good defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of teams are predicting that, or a lot of experts are predicting that Villanova is the best team in the That's country. True. But the Miami Hurricanes like are, going to be the, the, are going to be the last undefeated team in the country. That That's may bold. or may not be the case. So it may be a uh, thing we'll have to keep checking in on if they keep winning and other teams keep winning. But they are going to be the last undefeated team in the country this year. They're not going to win out, but they're going to be the last undefeated team. All right. Well, before we go, we would just like to give a huge shout out to both Aaron Fentress and Vernon Adams. Thank you so much, you much. for being on with us tonight. It was awesome to talk to you guys. Thank you for your insight you. and knowledge and just really just cordialness. Maybe we'll get them back. We hope we hope they come back. We hope so. We we love talking to them. Yeah, so stay tuned. Braylon, our friend Braylon's got a great show after us and um yeah, so we thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you very much. We will be back in January with more Baron Brody Sports Hour. We'll have more guests. We have a couple lined up right now. We teased one earlier, and Barrett uh, Peary, the Portland State head basketball coach, will be on with us sometime in January, uh, as well as other guests, as well as some local guests. We'll have um, some Linfield athletes on with oh, us as well. Exciting. Exciting. Well, you have been listening to KSLC and KSLC HD1 McMinnville. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We hope you enjoyed it. We certainly had a lot of fun. Um, And have a safe and happy holiday season. And we will catch all of you in January. Have a good one.